that's where I started focusing more on digital art because I didn't have any art materials with me really except for a small set of watercolours and and I couldn't get hold of paper there, I couldn't get hold of any materials there. Um, so I had my iPad and that was that became my outlet and that's that's where Aslan Ruby started um, was in that community, yeah. Welcome back to another episode of Lights, Camera, Crypto, the podcast exploring all things entertainment and Web3. I'm your host, Stephen Ladden, and this week our guest is Sarana Hayata. Sarana is the co-founder of the Aslan Ruby Digital Art Studio based in Australia. And in this episode, she details growing up in Australia and having both the Australian and Maori cultures influence her decision to become an artist. What was really fascinating about this uh, story and, and her episode is that she opens up about having an artist as a father. And unlike some other folks who have had an artistic parent, this actually pushed her away initially from pursuing an artistic career. Ultimately, she answered her own call and followed in his footsteps. And uh, just a really fascinating story of how she found both art as a career, digital art, and ultimately crypto and Web3 artistic realms. Let's dive in. Sarana, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Sure thing. So you are uh, Australia-based. Is is that where you grew up? Is that where you're from? Is that where the story began? Uh, or did it? Did the origins exist elsewhere? Um, well, a bit of both, really. So yes, I am um, Australian born. Uh, my family comes from New Zealand. So we're Maori. Um, so I've got, I guess, a dual heritage. So I grew up in Australia, but with a very strong Maori presence and a very large Maori family. <laughs> oh, neat. And, yeah. and that's super cool. And did, did the, uh, when, when you were growing up, did that family background influence at all sort of the call it creative pursuits or your interests or anything like that? Did it, did it shape what you gravitated toward? Um, it did in some ways. So I would say that it helped me um, or it shaped what I was interested in showing through my art, perhaps. I mean, um, my family and I think Maori culture in general does revere artwork there's a lot of traditional art practices um and also music is a massive part um of our culture as well so i feel like if you have that creative um spark in you it's always nurtured definitely mm -hmm. um but also it, it yeah it probably played had an impact on i guess how i saw the world and so therefore how i interpret the world so you, in, in some ways, you could say you were predisposed to have an artistic lens. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. I mean, also not to discount, my dad is an artist as well. He is um, European Australian. So that definitely helped in the art side of things. <laughs> sure. And, and when, I guess... Uh, when you were young, was there an experience or a set of circumstances that first clued you in that, hey, 
not only is this an interest, but this is, this is kind of art is where I want to focus a lot of my energy. Um, look, art was something that I always enjoyed. So it, it was my go-to for, um, you know, if, if I was, you know, when I was really young having downtime or because my dad um, was a, well, and still is a practicing artist. So, you know, the activities that he would do to entertain me would also be very much art-based activities. Sure. Um, yes. Yeah, so that, that was definitely, it was just a part of, of my life and my existence from a very, very early age. Um, I also went, I went to a Steiner school, which is an alternative um, form of schooling. Um, and at Steiner schools, you, there's a massive, massive um, focus on art. So every, everything you learn, which you just, you learn it in a different way, in a different format. Um, but everything you learn, whether it be, you know, spelling, math, science, uh, it always has to be learned. All right. So we were just in the middle of talking about the the Steiner schools, and you're explaining uh, <laughs> how how those were how those work, and 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 how that played a role um, in your early artistic development. Oh. Oh, sorry. It froze, and then I've lost. Oh no! Now we're back. Lost connection for a second. Okay. Uh oh, uh -oh. Well, maybe it's the the cross yeah. cross continental. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, we were, we were. Um. No, no. I think it's all good now. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Go. <laughs> cool. Uh, we were talking about the Steiner schools and uh, how that impacted your early development and and sort of your early artistic pursuits. Yes. Um. Yes. So. Uh, I went to a Steiner school for all of primary school and part of high school, and um, it does have a massive focus on on art and creativity. Um, so everything you learn is done through a creative way, and everything always has to be accompanied by um, a drawing or a painting or some kind of craft. And there's a lot of other wacky things that Steiner schools do as well, but <laughs> that was a good one. Um, uh, yeah, so I feel like it was a it was just second nature um, throughout my childhood years, um, and I would say that you know all of my close friends um, that came from that year group or from a Steiner school all are extremely talented artists. I mm. think I'm the only one out of that group um, who has actually pursued art as a career, but I would say that you know, all, all of those people are very much have the same talent um, for art but have chosen to do other things, which is, I guess, interesting. But, um, yeah, so I think because it was second nature to me and so familiar, I never considered it as a career path. Hmm. Um, it was just something that, that I did Um you know, a bit like how people walk, but you wouldn't necessarily go, well, you know what? I'm just, I'm going to fucking get paid for walking. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it wasn't actually until my early 20s after I'd pursued other things 
um, I wanted, I mean, all, all within the creative realm. So for high school, I went to a, um, a performing arts high school and I really wanted to be um, either an actress or a dancer. So I did a lot of that. I was in the circus. Um, so those were my top three tiers. Um, and whilst pursuing those things, I realised that there was things definitely within the acting world that I wasn't a fit for. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, I mean, the art world is definitely cutthroat as well, but I feel like, um, yeah, I just, I wasn't cut, <laughs> wasn't cut out for it. Um, yeah, so I think after pursuing some of those things and realising that it wasn't where I wanted to be uh, and realising that what I always came back to throughout those periods of time was art um, and that's kind of when I started tipping over to thinking that perhaps art was actually something that I could pursue as a career I think I was also really not wanting to follow in the same path as my dad. Really? I just wanted to. Yeah, yeah. You, you, <laughs> like as a means to differentiate yourself from like that. Oh, that's his thing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it was, yeah. And even now I feel like I still have like, oh, did I really need to do that? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it gave my dad great satisfaction um bless his cotton socks but <laughs> but yeah it was definitely something that pushed me away for for a long time that's really until I just couldn't yeah and, that, and that, that's really interesting how sometimes there's a there's a scenario where you have one parent who is a performer or an artist or a musician and it paves the way for the kid to see that oh hey this is an option but this is really fascinating because it sounds like not only did you see that it was an option but because it was an option and because it was your dad in this case you're like it pushed you away from even kind of seriously initially contemplating that that could be your path too yeah yeah and i mean you know like i i love my dad and we've got a great relationship um and he's always been extremely helpful, especially when I was first starting out with any questions or, you know, he got me set up with materials and um, he's always been extremely supportive. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's growing up perhaps because it was just such a massive part of my life. It felt like an easy option um, and or like, a, like an easy fallback perhaps. Mm. Um, so I had to kind of get my head around the fact that no, it it was actually, you know, something that I was passionate about and worth pursuing. And, and also the fact that I knew whatever I pursued, whatever job, and at times I have, you know, had moments where I've just been like, fuck, maybe I just need to go and study to be a doctor or right, right. a dentist, <laughs> just get some kind of regular paycheck. Um, but I know that no matter what I pursued, I would still be creating, I would still be making art and the personality that I am would mean that I wouldn't necessarily downsize my art creation. I would just keep it and then I would try and jam in another job right. on top of that. Rather than, um, rather, than so letting, yeah. rather than letting, at that point, letting the art speak for itself and, and kind of guide your your path you were you were kind of viewing it as a 
uh, a compliment to perhaps another career until the impulse, the call to the to the art couldn't uh, be, could, could, couldn't be ignored any longer. And you're like, no. yeah. I mean, also, I did. I I got pregnant quite young. I think I was 22 when I had my first daughter, um, and that was definitely a turning point for me. Where you know I'd kind of been floating around and not really sure what I was um, or not not feeling any pressure either to necessarily commit to one single thing. But um, when that happened, I did have a, a shift in my mindset of, of needing to focus myself and um, needing to, yeah, figure out what I, what I was going to do, what I wanted to achieve. Um, and, and that was art. Hmm. And, and, what kind of was that turning point? You know, you said the the birth, the the getting pregnant with your your first daughter. What what gave you the? Did it? Did it? Was it going back to dad and seeing that he had a successful career to then give you the confidence to be like, you know what, this as much as I kind of pushed this path away, this this can be a viable path. Is 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 that sort of um, like what gave you that inspiration to to find that you know to not go the other way and become a dentist and you know squeeze in <laughs> art when you could? Yeah, I mean to be fair, I would never become a dentist because I'm actually shit at going to the dentist myself. But <laughs> um, um, yeah, I I think that I'm not I'm not sure. I I don't. At that point in time, I don't think I even had the brain space to to reflect on my dad's career and and what that could, you know, what potential it could hold for me if I followed that path. I think it was, um, I think it was just thinking about, you know, what what did I want to do if I needed to spend my time doing something? What would I choose? to do what would give me the most satisfaction what makes me the happiest um and i think becoming pregnant unexpectedly put my brain into the the space of needing comfort or needing to find things to um to to focus my mind and and it was art and i mean you know i always I always created, I was always kind of, you know, a half foot in the door with maybe getting things into exhibitions or shows or something. But um, at that point I went, well, you know, I'm going to have a bit of time off work. (laughs) I'm going to have time um, at home. Uh, And that was probably one of the biggest realisations as well, is that if I want to to, uh, give this a proper go, it's now, you know, this time that I I'm able to have on, you know, maternity leave and things like that. Like it's, it's, it's actually, it lends itself really well to, to creating art at home. Mm. And, and as you started to, so, so the, it sounds like then that the, the, the circumstance of being pregnant afforded the time to kind of figure out what, what art you wanted to cultivate. Did you have did you have an idea already of sort of what you wanted to create or was that incubation period really 
provided to, you know did did it did you go into the pregnancy knowing what you wanted to create or did that kind of come about <laughs> as you were figuring out what do I want to do with my time um I think it just came about really um and you know for me there's I've always been a drawer mainly um and a painter um so I just you know I I started working towards a solo exhibition that I ended up having when I was nine months pregnant um and that was my first solo show so I spent the pregnancy um creating these a series of of drawings essentially just large scale drawings and it was really just to be able to um push myself to see what I could create so at that point I was I was really into high detailed um pencil drawings black and white um and for me it was all about I guess having a story element to them so they were quite surreal um and there was also very much a meditative process within creating those. Um, so yeah, I think I think it just came like I, I never really have a huge plan when I'm going to make something. Like I, I don't necessarily decide I'm going to do you know a capsule on the anatomy of dolphins. Um, never done that. Probably never will. But. <laughs> but it's just you know I'll sit down and it'll might depend on whether I've got a beautiful piece of paper or a beautiful piece of canvas and um that might dictate a little bit the feeling of what I want to create and then I'll kind of just start and see how it goes and what comes out Hmm. so it was the same same in that period well and you also had the benefit of uh an additional brain uh yeah fueling your your inspirations uh but cool that essentially you know nine months later two two projects uh were born a a human and uh yeah uh the 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 uh more intricate art you were saying then so the the pushing yourself having having the 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 gallery what what happened next um after that it was just you know, a good solid 10 years of hustle. (laughs) Um, Yeah, post that I kept doing, I kept um, doing exhibitions and group shows. Um, I took on whatever illustration jobs I could get. Um, I moved into doing murals. Um, So it was really just a always pursuing art but kind of in a lot of different areas. I began teaching workshops. I started a ceramics business um, and became a ceramics teacher as well. Um, yeah, so I it was just, a, I think, especially in those first few years, um, it was very busy. It was, it was pretty... Um, intense because I was in a phase that I think all emerging artists enter into where you say yes to everything Um, and you know if you if you're not getting paid a lot then you justify it with exposure Um, and so you just say yes Uh, 
which is great. It does help to build your career, but it also is the fast path to burnout. Um, <laughs> totally. <I think>. Totally. <laughs> um, yeah. So that, that was, that was it really. And I think, um, uh, you know, we went on to have three more kids. So it was just a big juggle of babies and art and teaching and, um, all up until the, beginning of last year is when things started you know we had a big change and and started to shift and we um packed all of our kids up and moved into a tent and drove around the country for a year <laughs> wow what and what what inspired uh that journey um it's actually been something that we've been working towards or had in our minds for a long time so tom who's um the other half of Aslan Ruby, also my husband, um, he had had this plan to travel around Australia since, you know, when we first started dating um, and we had been all packed up, ready to go, um, moved out of our share houses and got our car ready and that's when I found out I was, I was pregnant um, with our daughter. So, that threw a spanner in those works, um, but we still went. So while I was working on this show, we were also, um, we did a big road trip around the west of Australia for the first six months of that pregnancy. Um, and we always had this idea that we would get back to doing that at some point but just you know kept on popping out those babies so it was, <laughs> there was never quite a right time to do it um also his line of work for the last 10 years has been uh he's he's was a teacher um and he'd been working with uh young indigenous men teenage teenage boys um who were really disengaged from the schooling system so uh, he always wanted to go and live out in a remote Indigenous community that was on his bucket list. Um, so that's kind of what we did. We we decided that we were pretty over um, just the rat race of the life that we were living and the kids' ages were finally um, at a point where our youngest was just old enough, she was one, um, to kind of feel like we could stick her in a car and then live in a tent um, and it be okay. <laughs> um, yeah, so we did that. We um, we rented our house out and, yeah, quit our jobs and um, I packed up my, you know, ceramics teaching and business and, uh, and we got out of there. Wow. And is that, did that predate or is that sort of, the uh the moment from which uh Aslan Ruby was born out of that predates so at that point um i was i was pretty burnt out um from just doing far too many projects all at once um i'd just come off the back of doing a massive mural after I think my fourth baby was maybe eight weeks old and I was back up a scaffold in my 40 degree heat painting this massive mural, <laughs> just going like, what am I doing? <laughs> um, 
I mean, I loved the mural. The mural's great. But, uh, yeah, I was just, I was, I was burnt out. I needed to have a break. I needed to have a break from creating art for money um, and just needed a bit of a, yeah, a bit of a shake-up um, and was also aware that, you know, especially once you start having kids, I think, um, and you can see time go by um, in a very visual way in the form of your kids just growing, suddenly time goes really quickly. And so it felt like we were in this, um, you know, just suburban rat race um, a little bit, um, which also we loved and our family lived, you know, two minutes down the road and um, there were so many great things about it, but we just needed, we needed a change for both Tom and I. Um, and we also just wanted to have an adventure with our kids while they were still young enough to want to come with us um, and not be dragging surly teenagers around. <laughs> um, yeah, so we left, I left with no expectations of when I would create art or when that would happen again. Um, and yeah, funnily enough, we ended up living in a very remote um, Aboriginal community up in the very top end of Australia in Arnhem Land, um, which we were very lucky to be in. Tom was um, working there as a, a homelands teacher, so he was away for part of the time going out to even more remote communities to try and um, support education there. Um, and that's that's where I started focusing more on digital art because I didn't have any um, I didn't have any art materials with me really except for a small set of watercolors and and I couldn't get hold of paper there I couldn't get hold of any materials there um, so I had my iPad and and that was that became my outlet um, and that's that's where Aslan Ruby started um, was in that community yeah wow so really Aslan Ruby was started out of to to distill it down. You could you, one one yeah. version could be that there was a lack of art supplies, and all of a sudden, digital art was born. Totally, it's one hundred percent how it happened and why it happened. If I yeah, if I had of um, had you know an art shop down the road, I probably would have just set up a painting studio and and just done that. Wow. And so, okay. So, so Aslan Ruby starts, uh, born out of circumstance in this case, same, yeah. same, same, uh, I'm imagining it's the same artistic input though, that would have gone into canvas or something else or a mural. Uh, so then how does you, you're, you're creating digitally now, how did you make this, the shift from just creating digitally to getting into Web3 and crypto and stuff like that? Um, yeah, well, it was, you know, I think how a lot of people get into Web3 is someone usually pulls them in. Mm. Um, and uh, I was creating art. I mean, I'd been sharing things on Instagram for forever. Um, and uh, it was an old family friend um, you know, one of my brother's oldest friends who had gotten into uh, creating his photography as NFTs and 
um, I think my brother ended up getting in touch with me and was like, oh, you know, Ren's doing this thing. And I was like, oh, sounds like a scam. Don't know. Um, and I ended up saying yeah, such such a shitty little sister thing to, to do. But I was like, look, Tani, if, if you think it's a thing that I should do, can you just look up all the information and then give me a step-by-step <laughs> guide <laughs> and like a really dumbed down explanation and then I'll consider it. And he did. Um, and that's, that's how I started. And, and our friend Ren was kind of the one that helped me through, you know, I didn't have a Twitter account and, um, I had to start building an audience and making connections on Twitter first, which actually turned out to be great, but I was pretty hesitant to take on another social media. Um, It felt like the equivalent of stabbing my eyeballs out. (laughs) Um, But, but yeah, I was lucky in the fact that I had um, a friend who had gone through all of the processes that I could, you know, back channel and say, what the hell does wag me mean? What are people saying? Why is everyone GMing? Why is everyone GMing? <laughs> what is going on? Um, and he could really break it down. And, and yeah, that, that was a big leg up in terms of getting into um you know the twitter corner of of the web3 space um but when i started um making nfts myself when i decided that i wanted to actually you know start a collection um it was with zero expectation i just you know it was very much just a why not let's see what happens um and I remember uploading and I think at that point, which was November last year, you know, this was still in the times of gas being, you know, possibly like $150 per transaction. And um, it was by the time I went through it, I went, oh, fuck, that's a bit of an outlay. (laughs) I've just (laughs) spent quite a bit of money on this. Um, But, yeah, I, I put my first collection up. I think I had 200 followers. And uh, it it sold out quite quickly and there was quite a positive response to it. And I was very surprised coming from someone in the traditional art field where, um, you know, the hustle of making a painting and selling it for, you know, may, maybe a few hundred dollars, maybe a thousand dollars. It was just this crazy turn where you could create art um but then you're selling the digital um asset and not having to deal with any postage was the main thing I hate the post (laughs) office um so it was it just felt like oh like is this real can this actually be a thing and um yeah it was it was incredible and so within I think within maybe two weeks of me putting that collection up, um, I was on the phone with, um, you know, teams in the States wanting to do PFP projects um, and 
and very, you know, quickly I'd signed on to do two PFP projects um, kind of at the same time. Um, and, yeah, things just really escalated very quickly um, from that. And then because of taking on these these projects especially but also seeing the potential in the space and the connections that, that I was making, um, that's when we actually decided that we needed to leave the community that we were living in because I needed to either not be the primary carer for the kids because I needed to have some time to work um, or and I needed Tom to probably be on board with me um, to be able to actually handle the output of or the volume of work that we were needing to put out. So we ended up leaving um, Manningrida, the community that we were in, and that's how we ended up in Alice Springs, which is um, not that much bigger in the <laughs> middle of <laughs> we're just smack bang in the middle of the desert um but a slightly bigger town with you know paved roads and better internet right on and wow that's that's yeah. su- super fascinating and so it sounds like then that the transition from cre- starting to create digital art to then getting set up with the twitter and the other say social media essentials to then your first drop to then, it, you know, you kind of, it sounds like you, you let the art speak for itself and then it kind of helped uh, push the path along the way it needed to be pushed. Yeah, absolutely. So I think I, um, yeah, I just, exploring digital art was always on my to-do list, but I just never had the, time carved out to actually dedicate to it um and so having the time to actually really explore um creating digital art and I guess finding what my own um you know my own voice within digital art was what my aesthetic was within digital art and what I placed importance on within that aesthetic Um, was a really gratifying process and something that I was very happy to do. So by the time I put my first collection out, it was when I felt that I was, you know, like I I was on to the tip of what I wanted to explore um, within digital art. So um, it was, yeah, it was really gratifying for... um, me who'd been you know had been working towards being uh I guess financially independent financially stable um and seeking that from an art career which is not necessarily two things that go hand in hand sure um it was it was really yeah it was really nice to have such a positive response to that um in that in that space in particular and then also to be able to leverage that to then keep on creating physical art as well um yeah so it really was it was just putting something out there seeing what happened and then it very much just took me on a ride all of its own right on and and what would you say creatively uh is is the mission with the art that's a good question. <laughs> um, I I think for me it's really 
A, about storytelling is probably the first most prevalent thing um, or like the starting point for me, even if I don't necessarily know what that story is. It might be um, inspired by, you know, by a feeling or it might it might be inspired by someone's specific um, story or the qualities that they have. Um, and that's definitely what um, the, you know, the, the base for um, 63 Patron Saints, um, that collection was very much about telling these kind of shared stories that we have, especially as women or as non-binary people um, and or just as people um, and and finding ways to, you know, make those stories relatable. Um, so that I also think because I'd spent so much time creating physical art, especially like I've got a deep love of paper. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I think it was important for me for my digital art to not necessarily feel too dissimilar from from my traditional art. I think digital art allows for um, it, it allows for different things to happen within the process, but I always want to have a tactile um, feel to it. So that was my my biggest challenge with with creating digital art was how to keep it tactile and and how to keep it um connective i guess to the viewer awesome so it sounds like your methodology for choosing inspiration really comes from at the core what makes a solid story yeah i think so and i think that probably i think it can be tied back to the impact of maybe growing up in a Māori household um, where um, stories of, I think, stories of people that are often unheard or unseen um, always, you know, had big importance to me, had a high importance to me. So um, I think once I became old enough to kind of um, realise that I became more preoccupied with telling those stories or with, um, I guess, with also showing positive diversity um, and adding to um, positive images of, of minority groups of you know of a women of um you know once I became a mother then it became a lot about um a you know the the quiet mother's experience so the you know anxieties that can come with going to the supermarket or the bedtimes and just you know really things that I think are often viewed as banal but um play a big emotional day-to-day role um in a parent's life um and also uh indigenous groups so um you know i often when i was younger i was very conscious of always drawing people with brown skin and brown hair and um because i felt very aware that a lot of the images i saw were of blonde girls with blue eyes um and yeah so i i think about 
adding diversity, telling stories, and telling stories in you know in my own visual way that I can connect with as well. Right, and and so it's it's also I think a lot of what you were saying is is being present to the moment and being present to reality, and and at least from from your uh, experience and even when you said with with the motherhood examples i mean those new nuances of going to the store you can miss them if you're not immersed in them you know so so it, it seems really neat to kind of transmute both the experience, life life experiences on on a day to day the diverse elements that you're speaking about and kind of having that all culminate uh in a storytelling form uh of of digital art that's that's really neat yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I think with with sixty three patron saints, which was my second collection, um, the response from uh, from people reading the description. So something else that NFTs allowed me to do with my art was to really um, take advantage of the description that you can put on your on your artwork. Um, and so I viewed that as an opportunity to be able to write something and I've always enjoyed writing um, and yeah so so being able to write an accompanying piece um, about the work was um, was something that I felt tied in really well with the with the artwork itself so um, and then also being able to relate that experience to the viewer and, and getting their response from it, um, yeah, has, has been really, really nice. Right on. And so coming down the pipe, what else uh, can we expect to see from you? And, you know, are there other plans with the uh, sort of crescendo of, of where NFTs could go? Any plans to convert any of your work into you know, more uh, deeper narratives in the form of TV or film or anything like that? We've, we have talked about the definite possibilities of, of that. Um, I think, yeah, I think the storytelling side of it, um, especially of, of the Saints collection, has um, sparked some ideas for possible uh, things to explore with, you know, either either books or series. We've talked about series as well. Um, so that's an exciting thing to go down. I feel like we've been in a very busy world um, for the last year. Um, and so at the moment I've got five more patron saints to do for, and then this collection is, is finished. <laughs> Um, which has been, it's been a year now of this collection. So, um, yes, there's five more and then, and then there'll be, yeah, there'll be new things on the horizon after that. Um, and I think for the future of Aslan Ruby, um, and the future of my artwork in terms of NFTs, it'll, it'll, I think it'll just be a, a moment of, Recentering on on art and recentering on what I would like to create. I think the amalgamation or um, between physical art and 
and NFTs is a really interesting um, place. So I think there'll be a bit more exploring on that, on how we can, yeah, how we can merge those two together. But yeah, there'll be, there'll be a time of fun, I think, after this. Sure, sure. Um, and, and on that tip then specifically, I guess, is, do you have any projects you can speak to that, that are on the horizon that, that, uh, we should be on the lookout for in the coming months? Uh, yes. I actually don't even know if I'm allowed to say them. I think I am. (laughs) Um, there's, there's two that should be, um, yeah, there's, there's a project that, that will be put out uh i'm actually not entirely sure when exactly but a really interesting one between um the boston globe and the gardner museum um and there's a small group of artists that have reimagined um the pieces that were stolen in the gardner heist that happened yeah 30 years ago um so that's that's i think a very a very interesting um take on you know very traditional art um meeting the new world of of nfts so um that's exciting uh there is a great collaboration that we've done with some founding members of paypal that will come out um in the near future that involves a very um beautiful uh italian shoe label called hidden under um that will combine high-end apparel with with art um so those are the two things on the, you know, imminent horizon for us. Um, and then on the back end of that, we're also really trying to expand Aslan Ruby into um, into a brand that encompasses, I guess, an art-driven brand that encompasses more physical um, output as well. So um we've gone into apparel and uh yeah l- more exciting stuff on the Aslan Ruby front too right on that that all sounds really really exciting and it's just been really fascinating to hear both your path to the art and the inspiration uh that that lies behind it in terms of what you create so um you know really appreciate the time and uh Serana Hayata, thank you so much for uh, chatting with us. Oh, an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Lights, Camera, Crypto, a podcast produced by Matt Bogart and Essential Media. Music by Brian Duncan and Kareem Imes. If you enjoyed this experience, be sure to rate and subscribe to our show and to follow at Sladden and at Decentral Media for additional content.